My name is Faith Flat, and I'm joined by my husband, Mark Flat, and we are a husband and wife who have had two children, and we are expecting our third, and we're excited to share some of the lessons that we've learned along the way. Today is March 18th, 2021, and Faith is expecting, like she said, our third child in August. We actually have four children who live here at the house with us. Our oldest two are on their way to college. They are niece and nephew who have been living with us for the last 10 years. And we are really excited about this podcast, not just so that we can share it with you, but also so that we can share it with our three daughters who at some point are all expecting to have children. And this is something that's really personal to us and really exciting to us because over the years, a lot of people have asked us a lot of questions what it was like to have a baby at our house. This, that wasn't something that we were planning on doing when we got into it, but it's something that has been really rewarding and has really taught us a lot of lessons about how the birthing process can go if it's left to the natural means. Like I said, we were planning on having the baby actually at the midwife's facility, but the baby came so quickly that we weren't able to make it. And that really taught us a lot about how the birthing process can go if it's left, like I said, to natural means. One of the things that Mark referenced on our first podcast yesterday was that, yes, we have had two births, one at home unexpectedly, although we were going to birth with a midwife anyways, um, and that had prepared us. But the first birth that we had was at a hospital and a much more traditional process. And one of the, or some of the many lessons that I've learned from the birthing experience was what I experienced in birthing my first daughter at a hospital. In the end, I felt very traumatized by everything that happened in birthing at a hospital and the way I was treated. And it wasn't what I was expecting. And that led me to a place where I wanted something different in my second pregnancy, but also gave me a lot of perspective because as I began to look into the standard birthing processes in the United States, what you can expect at most hospitals, unless you clarify what you're getting into and what your provider typically recommends, that's actually kind of standard procedure. Many of the things that I endured and went through are actually what you can expect often when you go through the birthing process at, at hospitals. So our subject of our podcast today is things that I wish I had known to ask my OBGYN when I first got into um, the, my, when I got into my first pregnancy and began to plan things. So that's our topic of conversation. We really appreciate you taking the time to join us for It Starts at Birth. We will be going every day until at least the baby comes and hopefully after that. We're really looking forward to building a community of people who have questions, of concerns, who are just like us. Um, and that's what we're looking to do here. So we really appreciate you taking the time to join us. Let's get right into it. So Faith, I wanted to go ahead and ask you, first of all, what are the questions that you wish you had talked to your OBGYN before our first daughter, Alexis, was born? Well, I have a total of six questions that I think 
would it be absolutely essential if I had a high-risk pregnancy and needed to work through an OBGYN rather than a midwife in the future, uh, which would be something I'd be happy to do if I was high-risk and needed to, I have six questions that would be really important to me and I think be a strong early indicator of how um, this OBGYN would operate throughout pregnancy, but specifically in the birthing situation. Um, One thing I want to say as kind of a blanket over all six questions, though, especially for those of you who are maybe expecting your first child, is that it's really important and really beneficial to start planning your birth from day one. It can be really easy to segment the whole pregnancy and say, well, I'm in my first trimester, so right now I just need to think about who my provider is going to be and not really think about that in connection with what the end game is going to be, your final um, actual giving, the final situation of actually giving birth to your child. So if you can look at the whole process as a way to prepare yourself mentally, a way to sharpen your voice so that you can say what you want and don't want and become very vocal and strong about what's right for your baby throughout the whole process, that's something that's really important. And so coming into your OBGYN um, ready to ask questions is really helpful and a great way to get into the right mindset. I know that's one thing that you've encouraged me to do, Mark, is to look at um, a lot of different scenarios in life with work, but also even with, you know, who your care care providers are going to be in different um, needs throughout life to look at it as an interview process. You're the one choosing who you're going to work with, and they owe you answers to questions and kind answers to questions and spending a little bit of time and letting you get to know them. So my first encouragement would be to say, The birth is something you're planning for all the way throughout the whole process. So get bold, get vocal, and be ready to ask questions. Yeah, I think one thing that was um, a little bit jarring for for you when we were going through the birth of our first daughter was that the doctor who actually delivered our daughter was not somebody that we actually had ever met before. And that was something that we were unprepared for. And I don't feel like that in any way you felt like you were heard or the concerns that you had expressed prior to that birth were really followed through with. And I think that had a lot to do with the fact that in the end, we hadn't met the person before. And while, you know, there's a lot of circumstances that can lead to that, such as vacation, um, hours of work, understanding the, um, the schedule that the OBGYN is on is critical if you want to make sure that you're going to be birthing with the person that you're meeting with. Yes, and that leads me to the first question that I would ask because I do think and I often wonder how would my hospital birth have gone differently if maybe um, my female doctor I had been seeing throughout the whole pregnancy, Dr. John, had actually been the one to be there to deliver me. So Question number one is, will you be the person to deliver my baby? And I am sure that at some point, uh, my OBGYN, this was, you know, almost 14 years ago, but my OBGYN probably did inform me that if she wasn't the one to be there with me, there were other providers within the practice who would be there. But I was really young. I was uh, 
21. So I wasn't quite um, ready to think about what that would actually mean to be birthing with a stranger. So in conjunction with that question, because almost all doctors are going to say, of course, there's a default if I'm not available, a great question to follow that specific question up with is, well, who would be the provider if it's not going to be you? And is that someone I can meet? Because in the end, the physician that came in in the middle of the night to birth my daughter ended up being someone who did not seem to care at all to be there to birth my daughter and seemed to want to rush the whole process. And of course, she had no knowledge of what I had communicated with my OBGYN, what was important to me and why, and what my OBGYN throughout the pregnancy had assured me would be important to her as well. Well, if your OBGYN isn't there to give birth, hopefully it's someone that you've met and that you've gotten to take some time to get to know. So question number one is, will you be the person to birth my baby? Yeah, and I just want to clear something up. And Faith, feel free to correct me if I'm wrong, but um, we weren't at like a traditional hospital. We were at a women's birthing center um, that really focuses on um, just, you know, like I said, birthing. And because of that, I feel like we kind of walked in feeling like we knew what we were going to get. But that assumption is sort of what led us to be in a situation where we had no idea what was going on. And then from there, we were sort of at the mercy of whoever was available. And um, like you said, it didn't seem like the doctor who was in charge was really necessarily interested in being you know, there most of the time. She kind of popped her head in to see how things are going. And whenever she decided the baby was ready to come, she came in and, you know, she took care of business like she thought that was supposed to be done. But, you know, Faith has mentioned in the last episode that she has a lot of sisters. She had been around for, you know, the birth of a number of her um, siblings. And so there was sort of an assumption about how things would go. But in the end, um, all that went out the window you know, because in the there's a lot of um, intensity in the moment, and you know you're looking at the expert, and the expert says this is what we need to do, and then there's really not really much left to argue about or to say, hey, you know, this is what we want to do, and if we had understood the the circumstances, I feel like we would have been more empowered, and that's really the core of why we're here and we started this. And I think that in the end, most OBGYNs aren't really either going to try or else be very successful at being deceptive with you. So asking a question like that up front or any of these other questions that I'm about to go through can really give you a quick kind of idea, almost like speed dating, if this person is going to be right for you. There are certainly OBGYNs who make it there more than other OBGYNs. Um, my mother birthed eight children. And at um, all of her births uh, that she was seeing, our primary uh, caregiver, Dr. Berner, uh, he was there for every single birth of her eight children, um, except for the one where my mother had a child who came too quickly for the doctor to make it. So there are OBGYNs who will more, be more consistently available to show up and to be there. And there are somewhere you'll learn really quickly, this practice doesn't really prioritize making sure you are with the person that you've been seeing throughout the whole process. So if that's something that's important to you, which when you're in that 
extreme moment of birth, having someone that you feel really comfortable with and um, that you actually know it certainly can make a big difference. So if that's something that's important to you, that's something you can hash out right away and move on to the next physician. There are lots of OBGYNs out there. Move on to the next one to get to look for and to get the answer that you really want. Uh, question number two that I think is really important um, is how often do you induce and what do you see as a reason to induce? And this goes back to from your first trimester on really planning for giving birth, reminding yourself in each appointment, yes, they're testing your blood pressure and they're checking all of these other things. But at the end of the day, this is all a big lead up to that birthing moment. And when you get towards the end of your pregnancy, you will very possibly and likely uh, have a physician recommend, if you're seeing an OBGYN, it's very likely that they would recommend inducing. And when you're far removed from that moment and the stress of having a recommended induction is far away, you can do some research. You can make some decisions about what you think and what research says is a good reason to induce versus just an OBGYN's preference to induce. So starting the research process, having the conversation with your physician is a really important step to take so that you can make those types of decisions before you're in your ninth month in a lot of pain and your doctor says, hey, why don't we induce? And you're like, well, that sounds great because I'm so ready to get this baby out of me so I can sleep. But if you've educated yourself with some information and OBGYN offering that when there's no medical necessity could really help you to make an informed decision and to even take the lead if your OBGYN is maybe a little bit induction happy. Yeah, this is something that you know we both have talked a lot about. Um, and that's what we're really just trying to share with you guys right now is the conversation surrounding these types of decisions. We don't necessarily believe there is a right or wrong way to do things, except for one critical factor. We want you to be empowered to make the decisions that you feel are right for you. Whatever that means for you, that's great. That's the decision that you should make, and that's the power that you should have. But in the end, like Faith said, there can be a lot of circumstances that make um, make it so it seems like you need to do what you're told. And while, yes, there are some circumstances that are um, are critical to, to follow the recommendations of a physician, um, the difference between, um, you know, what is critical and what is a preference is what we're talking about right now. And understanding that, um, you know, physicians are, are people and they have schedules, and those schedules a lot of times fluctuate. So when they can tell you, hey, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be going on vacation, and that vacation could potentially coincide with the birth of your child, well, that, that lets you know that maybe you should continue looking. Um, some people won't have a lot of choices, but a lot of people do have choices, and knowing what questions to ask will tell you really early on whether or not you found the right person, or if you could, or if you should continue looking, um, be willing to have multiple appointments. You know, um, just like right now, I, I mentioned in the last episode that we're preparing to move um, once again. Well, 
when, with our first, first child, um, you know, we understood that we were also preparing to move. So we had meetings and um, appointments with um, people who weren't necessarily going to be the um, provider um, for the birth. And that, um, you know, so we had meetings with multiple people. But when we found the facility that we liked, I think we sort of felt like we were comfortable. And that made us feel like what we wanted would be um, or what you wanted would would happen. But in the end, um, like we mentioned earlier, the the execution or the actual you know how things went down was it felt much more out of your control than we anticipated and because of that it feels like this is the right conversation to have like let's continue to talk about the ways to put you in control and that's all we're talking about this is not about a right or wrong thing except for one factor do you feel like you're in control of your birthing plan and if you do well then, then you did things right and if you don't, then, you know, there's, you're going to leave with some questions about what could have I done differently. And our goal is to bring those questions to the forefront in advance. And once we do that, then you'll understand maybe what we were thinking. And this is not about anything else other than just having an open conversation about empowerment. And because the purpose of this podcast is really just to empower women, empower couples to be able to lead the way inside of their pregnancy and birthing journeys. Uh, I just want to also encourage you to say that if you don't know that it's your place to stand up and say, this is what I want, in this scenario especially, it is your place. And especially if you're new to parenthood and this is your um, first child to have, this is just the beginning of that. You will become a vocal advocate for your child from this moment on. Don't wait till after birth to realize that that is your right and it is your right. And especially as a woman, follow your instinct. As a father, follow your instinct. If something doesn't seem right uh, or if you're not sure that somebody is in agreement with you, don't make the assumption. Ask the question. And if you don't like the answer, move on. And in a lot of ways, I think um, I didn't realize what my responsibility in that spot was to be an advocate for faith in the birthing process. And so, you know, I'm in a room with um, a number of nurses and a doctor and faith um you know, was, you know, in a lot of pain and going through the process, but who am I to speak up? Well, in the end, I'm, my role in that spot was to be Faith's voice. If she was uncomfortable with anything, that's my role to speak up and say, you know, this is again, this is going against the plan that we had set in advance. And there are times to go against that plan, but they should always be medical necessity and not necessarily the convenience of the provider. And that is something that I wish I had understood. But like they said, we were very young at that time. And so I felt like I didn't have a voice in that room. But in the end, I did have a voice as long as I was just reflecting what faith wanted. And so I wish I had understood that. So if there are any husbands or, or men out there who are listening, understand that communication about the birthing plan is important. Communication during the process is important. And then standing up for the person that you're with because the situation is too intense for them to speak up for themselves, that's fine. You can speak up if you have 
something to say that reflects the wishes of the person that's actually going through the birthing process. And that's why it's so important to have a plan in advance. Yeah, it's true that that moment of birth, you are in that whole time period of labor, you kind of lose the ability to have your voice uh, because you really can't speak a lot of times when those contractions are coming in. So having your spouse or your significant other on your side and knowing what's important to you and important to both of you is so helpful and important. And I think that's why um, this list of questions is really empowering. One note I wanted to make on this specific question before I moved on to the next um, is you know, whether or not you're interested in induction, um, some things that you might want to research about induction and um, be aware of before you make the decision towards the end, if that's something you'd want to do, is uh, something that we'll get into more in depth later on in this podcast. But there are several side effects of induction that would probably make you think, hey, this is something I really want to wait to do. Um, if it's a medical necessity. And in a medical necessity situation and scenario, thank God we have the option. But the rest of the time, here are some of the um, the obstacles that you might face if you're induced. First of all, your labor and your contractions are actually much more painful if they're induced. And your body, because it was induced suddenly, doesn't actually uh, produce the ability for your body to handle the pain the same way it does when that when your labor comes naturally and in its own time so you're dealing with much more significant waves of labor um, than you would have otherwise and this is something that I witnessed with uh, two of my sister-in-laws when they were induced that they had very incredibly painful labor. And you may also be thinking, well, I'm going to get an epidural. So that doesn't really sound that bad to me. There are stages of labor that you can't get your epidural yet uh, because you have to wait so that the epidural will be effective towards the right peak of your labor. So that's something to keep in mind is that it can make it much more painful for you. And also the final days of growth are really important for a child's development. So though we know um, typically a due date, that doesn't necessarily mean that that's the day your baby was supposed to be born. The last few days before your baby comes naturally can make a really big difference in some of their development um, and can make it a lot easier for some simple things like them to be able to nurse you much more easily, which is something that we'll talk about on another episode, but that can make it much um, easier to be able to effectively nurse your baby because there can be some discomfort with that. And um, the World Health Organization reports that when you do have an induction, there is a significant increase in the level of um, interventions that become needed because you are induced. Things like episiotomies and C-sections. So those are some things you might want to research if you're still deciding if an induction is right for you, but certainly you want to know where your physician stands on that. You know, I'm going to go ahead and just say like, this is really where we want to stop on this episode. We're going to continue to talk about this for a little bit more, but you know, we were planning on going over all six questions on this single episode, 
But in the end, I feel like we should continue to talk about this and cover the rest of it in future episodes, because this is such a critical factor. You know, understanding um, the mindset of your healthcare provider is really the beginning of um, empowerment in this process. Um, we were planning on covering many more things in this episode, and we will cover those in future episodes. But at this point, I think we would kind of be rushing to to just kind of move forward. And I really want to, you know, make sure we take some time and continue to talk about this for a little bit longer so that you can understand how critical this is. Um, going in and asking the right questions, understanding the mindset of your provider, um, they, these are honest people, and they will tell you how they see things. If you ask them a question um, that they disagree with, they will let you know. And that simple um, bit of information can be enough for just to tell you that you, know, you need to continue looking or that you found the right person. And this isn't about what's right or wrong, except for what's right or wrong for you. And if you feel empowered through the process, then you did it right. And if you feel like you lost control and there, there was no medical necessity for you to lose control, then you're going to feel a little bit like, or a lot, like this wasn't what you planned and that you had wished that maybe things had gone differently. And this is what we're talking about right now, empowering you to make the decisions um, early on that will reflect in having the birthing process that you choose. Well, we've covered questions one through two, and um, I do want to get you all the way to six questions to ask your OBGYN in those early visits that you have with them. Uh, one thing that I do want to say is um, an OBGYN may be the perfect provider for you. And in fact, if you're going into your pregnancy like I went into my first pregnancy thinking, there is no way I'd ever want a home birth. There's no way I'd ever want a birth with a midwife uh, because I feel so much safer at a hospital. If that's your entire mentality right now, then an OBGYN is probably the right place for you to go. But being able to go in and ask questions and kind of weed out a really comfortable OBGYN is so um, helpful and beneficial. So this is kind of part one of things that I wish I had known to ask my OBGYN. And we'll continue this conversation on our next podcast. But additionally, we're going to have a whole nother set of questions because if you are considering a non-traditional type of birth, or rather, let me correct that because I would say a midwife birth is really much more traditional, but right now it's not so culturally acceptable. So if you're looking to have more of a non-currently um, traditional type of birth with a midwife or maybe at home, we have a whole different set of questions that are really important and great to ask the midwife that you may choose to birth with as well. So this, those are some of the things coming up in our next several episodes. We'll be discussing questions to ask any type of care provider to make sure that you get the experience that you want and that you're empowered to be the leader of your birthing process. Yeah, that's right. And one of the things um, that many midwives have are... Um, you know, relationships with hospitals in the case that something does not go right. And understanding that, um, you know, what is their plan if things go wrong? Well, it's interesting because most midwives will start out giving you that information. Um, and this is not like a, a secret bit of information. They're not, they're not trying to hide it. When you talk to them, they'll tell you right up front if, you know, this is what um, we consider a safe pregnancy and here's outside of what we consider safe 
and in what circumstances um, they use medical professionals at hospitals um, and understanding what those circumstances are and how that may or may not affect you is critical. Um, and so there's two sides of this for sure. And our goal is just to let you know that there isn't, you know, when you when you choose to go through a midwife or choose to have a home birth. Um, and like I said earlier, we didn't even choose to have a home birth. That was something that happened. Um, our goal was, I believe, to have um, a hot tub birth at the midwife's um, facility. Um, in the end, we weren't able to make it. And so we had the birth that, you know, that our, that really our child chose for us, I guess, if you could say that. But um, understanding what makes it so that you'll need to go to a hospital um, in the midwife's eyes is really critical. And I think these next few episodes, too, will really give some clarity to you if you're on the undecided side. Um, if you are someone who thinks only a certain way about birth, I hope, too, that these few episodes will kind of expand um, your thoughts on all the different options that are out there because really one of the most important parts of empowerment is to ensure that women have a voice. So no matter what type of pregnancy you choose, what type of provider you choose, having open, honest conversations that include the whole picture is something that we're really happy to help facilitate through this podcast. And like I said at the beginning, this is just about conversations that we have together, conversations that Faith has with her sisters, with other people who are curious, and that's what we're trying to facilitate, like Faith said. We're just trying to facilitate the conversation that brings you to empowerment, because um, empowerment, it comes through education, and education comes in many different forms, but one of the most powerful forms right now, um, especially in the current climate, is conversations with other people who have gone through those experiences. And our experiences give us insight, and we just want to share that insight with you. So we really appreciate you taking the time to join us for It Starts at Birth. We'll be back tomorrow with a new episode that covers a number of the additional questions that Faith has. Um, she, that she mentioned that she would ask her OBGYN um, if she had understood, you know, the different possibilities through the process. My name is Mark Flatt. We really appreciate you taking the time to join us. My name is Faith Flatt, and I'm so happy that you've joined us for It Starts at Birth. Join us tomorrow for part two of Things I Wish I Had Known to Ask My OBGYN. Thank you for joining, and we look forward to hearing from all of you soon.